You're going to love this. Just love it. Yes, you will. You really, really will. I do. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with yes, you. Yes, I am stuck in the middle and with I'm you. From Pacifica Radios, KPFK in Los Angeles, California. This is your broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast, and coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, the TuneIn app, on the iTunes, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. As we head into another holiday weekend, my favorite holiday, I should say, the 4th of July, used to be my favorite holiday anyway, Independence Day, and it wasn't because of it, it was Independence Day, it was mostly because it's 4th of July, it's summer, it means barbecue ribs and fireworks and all the things that, uh, and swimming and stuff like that, all the stuff that I really, 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 really love, or at least I used to, it used to be my favorite holiday, I suppose it still is. But you know what? I got to tell you, it hasn't been that great over the past few years. Something over the past few years has not been so great on the 4th of July. I just, you know, I I used to watch with great pride the fireworks, love this country. Last few years, maybe the last decade or so, uh, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but it, it hasn't been the same. We'll see, though, because it's been a fantastic week or two in this country and i'm feeling more positive and more encouraged about things even with all of the problems out there in the world i'm feeling more encouraged about the fact that we're entering a new progressive age in this nation uh than i have been in years so we'll see i'll let you know we'll see how the uh, how the fireworks go this weekend if i feel as uh, as proud as i once did on the fourth of july but uh, in any case, we're heading into the holiday weekend. I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I'm, I'm trying to get to that I've been a lot of this stuff I've been trying to get to now for days, haven't been able to get to. We've got some other stuff that is breaking today that I want to get to. So uh, a lot of news items to talk about. Uh, it, it's just, no guests today. It's just me and you. Um, and what? hey, I'm I'm right over oh, here. Oh hey, oh hey, Desi Doyen is our producer. Desi <laughs> Doyen, how are you, Desi? I'm good. How are you? Uh, that's right. Oh yeah, you're here too, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes. Okay, as a matter yeah. of fact, I am. Whatever. Uh, well, we, you know what, we have. I'm glad you are here because we have more news today than we can actually fit into our latest Green News report. So, Desi Doyen, you will be joining us not yes. only for the uh, 
Green News Report segment coming up, but also for, let's call it the GNR Plus today, because we've got more stuff. So among the stuff we will be covering that I know we will be covering in the Green News Report, uh, the West Coast, Alaska, on fire. It's just on fire. Uh, like we've never seen, especially up there in Alaska and the yeah. Arctic. We're going to talk about that. Unbelievable. Uh, warming oceans is now being linked to shark attacks. Yes, shark attacks. Uh, China and Brazil formally commit to cutting greenhouse gas emissions. That's, that's good kind news. Of a big yeah, deal, that's yeah. a huge deal. Republicans said it would never happen. Turned out they were wrong. Who could have guessed it? Uh, and uh, and fracking companies, fracking companies can now be sued for causing earthquakes. So we're going to get to all of that. But I know. But we've got even more stuff. We'll, we'll take a look at how the uh, how the mainstream media is doing in covering the climate change positions of the 2016 candidates this year. You and I have been covering uh, every single candidate, Republican or Democratic, to officially come into the race this year and specifically covering their positions on climate. Because back in what was 2012, right? No, but they didn't cover it. The media did not cover it at all. So we've been going out of our way to do it. We'll take a quick look at how the uh, mainstream media is doing on that score this year as well. Uh, some problems some of those candidates are having in the wake of the Pope's uh, landmark encyclical on the climate crisis. His papal paper. His papal pa- Yes, and I read this yesterday, and I th- and I saw somebody say the, the papal encyclical, and I read it as the PayPal encyclical. <laughs> Why is PayPal issuing an encyclical? I don't understand. Anyway, uh, so we'll talk about that. And big news that came in uh, just within the past hour or two, not even in time, I think, for our main Green News report, but a settlement in the BP Gulf oil spill today? Yes. A big settlement, yes, wasn't it? Yes, it will all end right. almost all of litigation, but we'll have more on that when yes, we get Yes, we will. We will indeed. Okay, so all of that is ahead. Uh, speaking of the 2016 presidential race, uh, I know a lot of you are excited about this. Jim Webb, former Virginia senator, has announced in an email on Thursday, that he will seek the Democratic nomination for president for some reason. My, that's so rousing. I don't understand. But anyway, uh, he he writes, I understand the odds, particularly in today's political climate, where fair debate is often drowned out by huge sums of money, according to Webb in the email. But our country needs a fresh approach to solving the problems that confront us and too often unnecessarily divide us. Well, we're happy to give him a uh, a fair hearing. No, no huge sums of money needed. Uh, Senator Webb, if you'd like to come on the broadcast, we'd be happy to uh, to hear from you. If you don't mind if I hold your feet to a little bit of fire. Webb decided not to run for re-election back in 2012 as a uh, after being a first-term senator in the, uh, in the U.S. Senate. He came into the Senate with an upset win fueled by his opposition to the Iraq War and during his term focused on veterans' issues and criminal justice reform, according to NBC. Webb is a Vietnam veteran, assistant secretary of uh, was an assistant secretary of defense and secretary of the U.S. Navy. In his U.S. Uh, in his email announcing his run, Webb was critical of U.S. intervention overseas, writing, "Quote: The attack in Benghazi was inevitable in some form or another." Don't don't know why. What's that reference to Benghazi about? I have no idea. In any event, while visiting early voting states in recent months, actually, I can tell you what it's about. 
He's largely going to run to the right of Hillary. He's sort of a corporatist Democrat, and uh, he may be making him trying to make himself available to Republicans and independents who don't want to have anything to do with the uh, so far 14 and counting loons we have on the uh, Republican side. And so maybe he wants to appeal to them by mentioning Benghazi. Yeah, sort of dangling it like bait so that they can say, oh, well, the Republicans are too crazy for me now. But this Jim Webb guy talks about Benghazi. He said Benghazi. My kind of guy. Yes, I've heard about Benghazi. I watch Fox News. While visiting uh, early voting states in recent months, Webb has also championed economic fairness and lambasted the influence of money on the political process, according to NBC. So uh, there we go. He's our uh, fifth Democrat to enter into the race. Uh, We've got uh, some 14, I think, on the Republican side. And speaking of Democrats in the race... Bernie Sanders, presidential candidate, attracted about 10,000 boisterous supporters at a rally in Madison, Wisconsin, on Wednesday to show uh, that his bid to snatch the Democratic nomination from frontrunner Hillary Rodham Clinton isn't a long shot after all, according to AP. Sanders told the crowd they made history by being part of the largest audience to see a 2016 presidential candidate to date. And he's absolutely right. Bernie Sanders has been getting huge crowds wherever he shows up across the country, way bigger than, uh, well, bigger than even Hillary Clinton, but certainly bigger than any of the uh, nominees on the Republican side. He's getting huge turnout. 10,000 people showed up. More than that in uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, Scott Walker, the governor of Wisconsin, has not officially declared yet, but I True. wonder if Scott Walker will get the same number of people and when he does and if the media will notice that. Well, he's certainly not going to get uh, that kind of crowd, I, I wouldn't think, at this early stage, uh, you know, anywhere but uh, Wisconsin. And I doubt Scott Walker will even get 10 thousand people even when he does uh, officially announce and he has his you know his kickoff rally if he gets more than 10,000 I would be shocked uh, speaking of uh, Scott Walker uh, Sanders talked about Scott Walker as he was in Wisconsin and uh, he elicited loud cheers when he spoke of union rights and sustained booze whenever he mentioned Republican Governor Scott Walker who will, as you say, Desi Doyen, be entering the race uh, soon, I think, in, in a week or two. So maybe Scott Walker is feeling the burn, as it feel were. Feel the burn. <laughs> Hashtag backyard. feel the burn, as they yeah. say on the Twitters. Uh, the 73-year-old self-described Democratic Socialist outlined his support for raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, bridging the gap between rich and poor, and raising taxes on the wealthy. Uh, Bernie Sanders is, we've, you know, we've been talking a lot about Donald Trump, and I've got some more Donald Trump news coming up uh, momentarily because, man, do I love the fact that the Republican Party has a, uh, has a Frankenstein monster in their midst, and they have no idea what to do about Donald Trump. So I've been talking about him a lot lately, but, uh, and, and the way he's gaining in the polls all over the place. Well, so is Bernie Sanders. We talked a little bit about about how he's, uh, 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 I think, within about eight points now, striking distance of Hillary Clinton in New Hampshire. Well, now Bernie Sanders is also gaining traction among Iowa caucus voters. He still trails behind uh, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. 
new poll shows Sanders winning 33% of likely participants in the Iowa Democratic Caucus, while 52% say they would vote for Clinton if the caucus was held today. So he's still got a ways to go, but uh, Thursday's poll shows that Bernie has more than doubled his support from a May 7 Quinnipiac survey, showing him at uh, at only 15% at the time to Clinton's 60% among caucus goers. So Clinton has lost eight points, and uh, Bernie Sanders has more than doubled uh, his his support in Iowa among specifically among people who are going to the who plan to go and uh, and participate in those caucuses next year. Uh, the uh, the poll also shows the Vermont progressive having particular appeal among participants who call themselves very liberal. They choose him 47 to 43 over Clinton. Other Democratic contenders remain stuck. All of the other ones now remain stuck in single digits with 7 percent of likely caucus goers Former uh, Vice President Joe Biden, they're still talking about him as coming in the race. He's not talking about it, but the media is. Um, I'd love to see Biden get in the race. Uh, 3% go for Maryland Governor Martin, uh, Martin O'Malley. 1% support for Virginia Senator Jim Webb. And, and poor Lincoln Chafee, former governor of Rhode Island, who had been a Republican, then became an independent, now a Democrat. He's uh, statistically uh, zero. Zero percent is Sorry. what Lincoln Chafee has. I kind of like Lincoln. I do, too. He's a very um, nice yeah. person, it and, seems like. And we'll put him on this show as well. We'll put any of them on this show. Like to come on this show, Democrats or Republicans, we'll have you. Or independents or Greens or Libertarians, whatever. Um, but I, since I mentioned Trump, okay, we, we, we've, we've discussed Trump's woes over the past week. Uh, both his woes and successes since we were amongst the first in line, maybe the first in line, uh, while everyone was making fun of Donald Trump and we continue to make fun of Donald Trump. But while everyone was making fun of him and uh, poo-pooing his candidacy as if it was a long shot that had no chance of getting any traction whatsoever, I said right off the bat, no, no, this guy is exactly what the base Republican Party voter has been looking for for years. Uh, and in fact, so far, I've been uh, proven correct to some extent as Donald Trump has vaulted into second place behind Jeb Bush in New Hampshire. He's vaulted now to second place behind Scott Walker in Iowa, where Bush is not really uh, not really even trying uh, and uh, now he is uh, near the top of the pack in Michigan, according to a new poll. So these are not just flukes. This is happening everywhere. The Republican Party loves Donald Trump, at least people who plan to vote in the Republican Party primary. I love the way uh, David Neer over at Daily Coast put this headline. Donald Trump is just a hair behind Scott Walker for first place in a new Michigan poll. This is PPP's. Newest Michigan poll, a four-way cluster at the top of the Republican field with Scott Walker at 15%. Jeb Bush, Ben Carson, and Donald Trump are all right behind him, tied at 14%. The rest of the pack, uh, Rubio, Huckabee, Chris Christie, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, they all make uh, making out the top nine there. They're all in single digits. Uh, it's interesting to note, says PPP, 
that Trump is in the top tier, having an under, despite having an underwater favorability rating of 41 to 44. In other words, only he's only got a, a, a approval rating of 44 percent, 44 percent disapprove of him. So uh, they disapprove of him and they favor him to be in uh, second place in this poll up in Michigan. What he has going for him, says PPP, is that much more so than the rest of the field, the people who do like him also say he's their first choice for the nomination. So a lot of people don't like him, but those who do really, really, really like him. That's what I take from this uh, PPP poll. Uh, in the meantime, it should be noted, as uh, PPP does, Clinton leads the entire Republican field. Hillary Clinton leads the entire Republican field for the general election by margins ranging anywhere from 3 to 10 points. Her average lead of 7 points is a little bit less than what Barack Obama won the state by in 2012, state of Michigan, but a good deal more than the 3-point win that John Kerry had in the uh, 2004 election. The Republican, by the way, who comes closest to Clinton, can you guess? Desi Doyen? Any idea? Up in Michigan? In Michigan? Who has the best chance of defeating Hillary Clinton up in Michigan? Well, if I had to guess, which yeah. is what I'm doing, I would say you have, uh, Scott Walker. Nope. Not Jeb or Scott Walker. It's actually wow. Rand Paul lags behind uh, Hillary Clinton by just three points. Really? Yeah. Go in Michigan? It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, nationally, by the way, uh, Trump is also rising. It's not just New Hampshire. It's not just Iowa. It's not just Michigan. A new CNN national poll finds that former Florida Governor Jeb Bush and Donald Trump top the list of GOP presidential candidates following their back-to-back -back launches in mid-June. They are the only two Republican candidates holding double-digit support among Republican and Republican-leaning independents. Trump has responded to this national poll saying that the numbers are, quote, representative of the response that we've been getting from all over the country. OK, well, yeah, where it's uh, where our response has been huge, huge best response ever. It's a fantastic world class response. Uh, so Bush is up at 19 uh, percent uh, in that national poll. Among the Republicans up from 13 in May, Trump follows him at 12 percent. He's up uh, th from uh, 3 percent before his announcement. So there you go. Um, and yet uh, oh, the CNN also notes Clinton uh, continues to lead all of the GOP candidates in head to head general election matchups. All righty here. Let's see what I have. Uh, OK. Oh, yes. Here we go. I've been meaning to get to this. At least two clerks as we're uh, looking at the continuing fallout from the Supreme Court's fantastic conservative ruling finding nothing in the U.S. Consti Constitution that allows uh, marriage equality, that uh, allows gay people from being able to marry the person they love. Nothing in that Constitution would allow states to block it. Nothing in the Constitution uh, w w would over overtake the, uh, the right to equal justice under the law. And so uh, in most states, uh, all 50 states in the union now must allow marriage equality, but, uh, and most states are falling in line. There's a couple there that are uh, still holding out, and a couple of clerks around the country who are holding out. Uh, two Kentucky clerks are not issuing any marriage licenses at all after the SCOTUS ruling. Okay, well, at least there's that. Wait, you mean the it's like 
hey, if I have to do a same-sex marriage license, then nobody gets a marriage license. That's right. Kind of like that? Yeah, exactly. No, exactly, yeah. That's my Kentucky accent. It was good. (laughs) I don't know if it was Kentucky, but it was very entertaining. It's, yeah, they're saying that we're not going to give out, if we must give out uh, licenses to gay people, then we were going to give it to nobody. And the theory is that at least they're not discriminating, you see, because they're giving them to no one. Of course, I would say that they are discriminating. How are they discriminating? Well, because it's their job to give out marriage licenses, and by giving out none, they discriminate against all. Well, they're violating uh, the requirements of their job, I should think, but at least they're not discriminating. And I'm not defending them, by no, the way. No, I know, I know. And but I'm I just can... saying it's not discrimination. There was another uh, a woman I think we, we talked about yesterday, another clerk down in Texas, who said, my religious beliefs however ridiculous they are, my religious beliefs say that I, uh, you know, it's wrong, that marriage, gay marriage is wrong. And yet I took an oath to protect the Constitution and the rule of law, and my job requires me to give these uh, licenses out, and so I am going to because that's my job. That was the right way to do it. I don't mind if you have a, uh, a you know, a personal, well, how do you describe it, uh, a Objection. Objection to, yeah, religious objection. You have your religious objection if you want, but you know what? You should go into another line of work that doesn't require you to do things that might conflict with your religious objections. You may religiously object to the fact that uh, we don't have slaves anymore, as we did in the Bible and as God talked about in the Bible. So, you know, so don't go into government. Uh, you know, it's 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 that simple. Um, anyway, uh, so that's what's going on in Kentucky. But speaking of PPP polling, uh, they did a poll of Kentuckians on everything you could think of as they described it. So not all Kentuckians are quite as bad as these two clerks who are refusing to issue marriage licenses to anyone. Kentucky voters continue to have a much bigger problem with the Affordable Care Act than they do with Connect. Now, Desi, do you know what Connect is? Yes. Connect, K-Y-N-E-C-T. Connect is uh, Kentucky's Medicaid expansion program. Not Medicaid. Well, the whole, uh, their Obamacare program. Their full Obamacare program. that's their exchange. So uh, that's the name of their state exchange. Out here in in California, it's called Covered California. That's the way the state of California uh, sets up their exchange to to implement the Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. In Kentucky, they call it Connect. Kentucky voters, uh, they love Connect, but they hate the Affordable Care Act, uh, even though they are the exact same thing. Thirty three percent of voters in the state approve of the Affordable Care Act and 33 percent likewise approve of Connect. But. 47% say they disapprove of the Affordable Care Act, whereas only 29% disapprove of Connect. It's the same thing, and yet they don't know that, and so they think, I hate Obamacare, I hate the Affordable Care Act, by 47%, but Connect, that's not so bad. uh, Only 29% are against that. This disconnect as noted by the polling company here, comes almost entirely among people who voted for Mitt Romney in 2012. 76% of those people oppose the Affordable Care Act, but only 47% oppose Connect. 
You see, the job of the media is to not just uh, inform, but to educate the electorate. Clearly, they are not being educated in Kentucky for some reason. I guess they're watching a lot of Fox News. Uh, There is also strong support, however, in Kentucky for increasing the state's minimum wage to $10.10 an hour. 58% support that, compared to only 32% who are opposed. So in case you think, you know, red Kentucky uh, Republicans, they well, you know what? Raising the minimum wage is wildly popular, even among Republicans. And that is why Bernie Sanders is actually... Uh, has the possibility of doing very, very well among independents and among Republicans if they get to hear him. Because his positions, his populist positions, are very, very popular, not just among Democrats, liberals, progressives, but among the entire political spectrum. But that, you're right, if they get to hear him. Right. If they get to hear what his positions are, if they get to hear what his policies are, mm-hmm. and that's where the if, that's the fulcrum of the entire 2016 election between now and November 2016 is the big if, if people will hear about what's actually going on with these presidential candidates and what they actually believe and what they actually advocate. Well, we're not going to let, uh, they're not going to hear it on this show. We're not going to play that lefty uh, communist <laughs> pinko. Bernie burn. Sanders, yeah. Feel the burn. Feel the bird. <laughs> By the way, 50, 56% of Kentucky voters support the general concept of putting a woman on the one uh, on one of the U.S. dollar bills, compared to uh, 29% who oppose the idea. So you see, they're not, uh, uh, you know, right-wing knuckle-draggers entirely in the state of Kentucky. Lovely state of Kentucky, by the way. Uh, and by a 47 to 27 spread, voters in the state think that uh, Colonel Sanders, seriously, the Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken, 47-27 think Colonel Sanders would make for a better U.S. senator than Mitch McConnell. Well, I'd agree with them on that. Even dead, he is. Well, that's what the uh, poll goes on to note. Too bad he's dead. Yes. But they still <laughs> like him in, uh, in, in Kentucky. All right. Uh, do I have time for this before we get to it? Okay. Uh, well, let's see. Very quickly. Yeah, I don't. Th- well, uh, let me see if I have. Uh, Rand Paul has been telling this ridiculous story on the uh, on the campaign trail. Uh, just a ridiculous story about an elderly man imprisoned for dirt on his land. He said, "He said over forty years, we now define pollutants as dirt and your backyard as a navigable stream. It wouldn't be funny if it weren't putting people in jail for it. If we weren't putting people in jail for it, this is an actual thing that he actually said uh, last month." A guy named Robert Lucas down at the southern part of Mississippi. Ten years ago, he was 70 years old. He was put in prison for 10 years. He just got out. Ten years without parole. Ten years without early release. He was convicted of a RICO conspiracy. RICO is something you're supposed to be going after for going after gangsters for. You know what his conspiracy was? Conspiracy to put dirt on his own land. We have gone crazy. We have run amok. Well, Desi Doyen, you'll be shocked to learn. The entire story is complete and utter nonsense. The fact, yes, I know. The fact checker over at Washington Post looked into this. Michelle Yee Lee is her name. She looked into it and she looked into great detail. And there's actually a story here. It goes back to uh, uh, 1994 when this guy, Lucas, a southern Mississippi real estate developer, he began buying land for his 2,600 acre property for mobile home lots. 
And in 96, state and federal uh, inspectors began telling Lucas that he did not have the proper permits. They warned him against developing more of his land. He was told that nearly half of the property was federally protected wetlands, meaning he could not develop, drain, or fill the land with dirt, cement, pipes, debris, etc. without federal approval, but he did it anyway. He continued to build and fill the land, despite cease and desist orders. He, he hired an engineer to design and improve a sewage system, which was installed in the soil and covered with topsoil. This is in federally protected wetlands. And inspectors, again, they warned Lucas that the sewage system in the wetlands needed to meet state and federal standards so that waste is properly filtered and disposed without contaminating drinking water. But no one applied for or received any permits, according to the 2004 grand jury indictment. The land was then advertised. Then it was only afterwards. It was then after it was all put in illegally. It was then advertised and sold to mostly low and fixed income families. Lucas told the buyers that the lots were habitable and suitable for home sites when, in fact, they were not. Some residents later testified that they were told that their uh, they were not told that their homes were on wetlands and that the area was prone to seasonal flooding. So homes would be flooding during major rainfall while sewage seeped up from the ground and flowed throughout the subdivision. Uh, federal prosecutors accused Lucas, his daughter, and the engineer of 41 counts of conspiracy to defraud environmental violations, uh, mail fraud over the delivery of payments for the properties by mail, Prosecutor said Lucas, his daughter, and engineer knowingly sold these properties with illegal and malfunctioning septic systems and built and filled federally protected wetlands despite numerous warnings. The jury found the trio was guilty on all counts and they were sentenced to prison in order to pay hefty fines, etc., etc. But if you hear Rand Paul tell it, he was imprisoned for putting dirt on his land. End of story. Because, you know... People who listen to Rand Paul apparently also listen to Fox News, and they will believe anything. None of it, of course, is true. And the Washington Post fact checker gives uh, Rand Paul uh, four Pinocchios for this fantastic story, which is completely and utterly untrue. Go figure. A quick break, and we're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report and the Green News Report Extra with a whole bunch of stuff that we can't even fit into our usual six minutes of independent Green News analysis and snarky comment. All of that is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Please stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? 
Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out today. Melting for Desi Doyen here on the Bradcast <laughs> as we head into the holiday weekend. Yeah, and yes, we usually hold our Green News Report for the end of the show, but we had so much Green News. I know. We could not even fit it into our into our usual six minutes. I know. It's been rather nutty, and, and it's just, you know, it's 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 the news volcano this week. That's so much news, in fact. You know, we, we have been covering all of the presidential candidates as they enter the race, Republican and Democratic, as far as their climate change positions. Jim Webb has got into the race today. Yep. We haven't had time. Uh, he's not even in our latest Green News report. We'll have to cover him next week. Uh, but do you know what Jim Webb's uh, in general? In, in general. Terms? Of course, this yeah. is based on mostly... Democratic, former Democratic senator of Virginia. Right. His, uh, his climate change position. Yeah, it's mostly based upon what he said in the past, but essentially he's terrible on climate change. He, he's not so sure that it's, a, that it's that big of a deal, and his big focus, being from a coal state, is to spend research dollars on clean coal oh. rather than all this solar and wind stuff. Oh, he's a clean coal guy. Yeah, so I think that tells us pretty much also, all we need to know. Also, he favors unicorns and uh, the Loch Ness Leprechauns. <laughs> And Benghazi, apparently. Right, because clean yeah. coal, in case you don't know, clean yeah. coal does not exist. You cannot burn a fossil fuel and have it be clean. Even if you bury the, the, the results, the waste elsewhere, it is still not clean. It will never be clean. So he's basically focusing on trying to keep the coal industry alive rather than what's actually needed to deal with climate change. And now we've got even more. We've got a, a settlement in the BP oil case, uh, BP oil spill case. Uh, and more. So let's get to our latest Green News report, and then we'll come back with all of those other stories. After that, our latest Green News report. Usually high number of wildfires are burning hundreds of thousands of acres in Alaska. Alaska and the Pacific Northwest are on fire. You don't need to be at the beach to believe there's something wrong with the water. Warming oceans linked to more shark attacks. China and Brazil formally commit to cut their greenhouse gas emissions. Plus... Fracking companies can now be sued for causing earthquakes. Sweet. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Supreme Court justices went the other way today in a big ruling against the Environmental Protection Agency's war on coal. That's Brett Baer of Fox News. He's the serious, nonpartisan news guy at Fox News, talking about the EPA's war on coal. Sure, I'll buy it. This is your Green News Report. The majority ruled that the administration's attempt to regulate the industry into oblivion is not worth the cost. Okay, Desi Doyen, it's just amazing to me that Brett Baer, their straight news guy, talking about the EPA's war on coal and trying to obliterate it out of existence. Just amazing. Yeah, that's your Fox News fair and balanced for you. 
Meanwhile, in real news, wildfire season is underway with a vengeance across western North America. In Alaska, low snowpack and all-time heat records have fueled more than 300 out-of-control wildfires, which have already burned half a million acres so far this season. Now a new study confirms wildfire season is getting worse in Alaska. According to lead researcher Allison Kennard of ClimateCentral.com, here in an interview on the Weather Channel, Alaska's wildfire season has expanded as temperatures have gone up due to global warming. In about the 1990s, there was a sudden increase in the number of large wildfires. And since the 2000s, Alaska's seeing now on average twice as many large wildfires as what they saw in, say, the 1950s. Oh, I wonder what it is that's going on. (laughs) Well, it's also not just Alaska. Something else that we saw that's really an indication of these uh, really dramatic changes is the increase in wildfires in the Arctic. In the entire 50s and 60s, there was really only three large wildfires in the Arctic. Now we're seeing nearly 10 times that. Since 2000, the Arctic has seen 33 large wildfires. The Arctic. The Arctic is now on fire due to global warming. And Fox News is pretending there is a war on coal. Unbelievable. And global warming is also being linked to a spate of shark attacks off the North Carolina coast. Great. Seven attacks in June alone. Kind of scary now, you know, knowing that this is happening right now. I don't know what's going on and what's bringing them in, but something's causing the sharks to come in close by. What does global warming have to do with shark attacks? Well, scientists with the Florida Program for Shark Research say what's causing the sharks to come in is warmer than normal ocean temperatures and saltier water due to dry weather. Perfect conditions for sharks. You yell shark, we've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. In other news, in Oklahoma, the state Supreme Court has ruled that fracking companies can be sued for causing earthquakes. The court ruled that a lawsuit brought by a woman who was injured in a 2011 Tulsa earthquake can now go forward against two fracking companies. State and federal geologists have concluded that the fracking process is behind an epidemic of earthquakes in Oklahoma, which now has more earthquakes than California. Amazing. But New York State this week officially banned fracking after a seven-year study on fracking's environmental and health impacts. The New York State Conservation Commission said, quote, fracking poses significant adverse impacts to land, water, air, and natural resources and potential significant public health impacts. So that's good news. Yeah, and some more good news. It's been a big week in the United Nations climate treaty negotiations. Brazil, China, and several other countries submitted official pledges to cut their emissions. Brazil pledged to eliminate illegal logging since deforestation is a major contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. And U.N. officials now say the flood of country commitments now covers 50 percent of global emissions. We're halfway there to an international climate treaty in December. That, even though Republicans have spent years telling me that China would never lower its emissions. China, India, all these countries that are still growing, and they're not going to stop doing what they're doing. Experts agree that a climate policy that does not include massive energy consumers like China and India is essentially meaningless. We can't do it alone as one nation. It's only us doing it. Nobody else is doing this. I don't think we can control the emissions from China and India, nor do they have any desire to control it. If we have statements such as we do have from the leaders in China and India, in other countries saying under no circumstances are they going to accept any kind of mandatory reduction. What are we doing here? I'm starting to think that they and Fox News might be wrong. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. 
Don't forget, you can download our reports anytime via iTunes, where I hope you'll give us a good review. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. We don't get fooled again. Don't get fooled again. No, no. No, well... We won't get fooled again. <laughs> well, I can't say the same for Fox News viewers who hear that nonsense over and over again from Republicans. I guess they just like being lied to. I, I guess, guess they like so. It. I don't. I don't get it. But uh, either they like being lied to, or they're just too stupid to go look anywhere else. So thank you very much for that. Uh, but we have even more green news that we could not fit into today's Green News Report. I know. It's been a crazy busy day. Let's first go to the major BP settlement. This is for the BP oil spill. Remember, it exploded on April 20th, 2010. It sank on Earth Day in 2010. The deep deep water water horizon in the Gulf. Millions of gallons of uh, oil sullied the uh, the Gulf. 205 million gallons of oil, to be precise. But who's counting? And it went for 87 days before they finally yes. capped it. Yep. So remember, President Obama went down and, and actually spoke with President Obama. I'm not ringing a bell. <laughs> went down to New Orleans. He sent down um, our, our, at the time, Department of uh, Energy uh, chairperson, uh, Stephen Chu, who's mm-hmm. a physicist, to help figure out ways to cap the well. And remember, in Congress, there were hearings about what's going on with this oil spill. And uh, Joe Barton, representative of Texas. Representative of BP, I think. Yeah. I I think he gets more or uh, close to the most uh, amount of money in the entire Congress from the gas and oil industry, as I recall. James Inhofe gets the most, oh, okay. Senator of Oklahoma, right. Republican. But yeah, Joe Barton is right, right up, up there. there with him. This is what Sen- uh, Rep- Representative Joe Barton said to the assembled oil executives from BP when they were asked what the hell they were doing. As about this. the spill was ongoing, right? As yes. it was actually happening and w- on live cameras at the time, Joe Barton, the congressman, instead of getting in the bottom of what happened, here's what Congressman Joe Barton had to say. I apologize. I do not want to live in a country where any time a citizen or a corporation does something that is legitimately wrong is subject to some sort of political pressure that is, again, in my words, amounts to a shakedown. So I apologize. Yeah. That was in response to President Obama securing an agreement from BP's executives that they would set aside $20 billion, with a B, billion dollars to prepare for the cleanup and restoration. And that's what uh, Joe Barton was talking about. Now, with the final BP settlement, this doesn't settle all today, of the lawsuits. This was announced yes, today, this was right? announced Thursday morning in a joint press conference across the all five Gulf states that were affected by this bill, BP is going to pay $18.7 billion. That's the largest environmental settlement in American history. Um, so the BP subsidiary for America, BP Exploration, will pay $7 billion to the federal government and to Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Texas, and Florida. That's for damages to natural resources. They'll pay $5 billion in penalties to the federal government for violating the Clean Water Act. They'll pay another 
$5 billion to those states to compensate for economic damage. So they have the, the environmental damage fines, and then now they have the economic damage and fines. That's $5 billion. And then about $1 billion more will be settled among 400 local governments. Well, I, I, I would... Uh... I would like to apologize to BP for for having to pay out all of that money to those people. Now, actually, will the money go to, will it get to the people who were actually hurt uh, by this? Obviously, a lot of wildlife was hurt and so forth, but a lot of people, their livelihood was on that gulf and it was wiped out by this horrible spill. It, will they be seeing uh, their share of money here? Well, now, this specific settlement is to settle fines and charges for the states and the federal government. There is a separate area mm-hmm. going on for compensation for people who were hurt by the spill, people, businesses, the economy that were actually hurt by it. So that's that's a different area, and, and BP has been trying mightily in court to uh, prevent the, having to sp- pay out any more to people who were damaged in this liability. Uh, you know, they've been fighting, you know, tooth and nail all along the way to figure out ways that they can avoid paying because the hell out. with those people where do they get <laughs> off having their livelihoods on the gulf where our oil is where bp's oil is yeah, they to um, hell with those people. Let's fight that tooth and nail. So a couple things on this. It still has to be approved by the court. So if it is approved, you know, it would be very big and it would be a huge deal. And um, in all, the company BP has paid about $40 billion for the spill. But environmental organizations say that actually they're getting off easy because... When you look at the amount of money that's charged for to, to BP for these fines and damages, it doesn't come anywhere near the amount of actual damage that was done. And, of course, the wildlife of the Gulf yeah. gets nothing. Of course. They're, they get to die. That's right. Um, and Okay. Well, a couple of other stories I want to get to here uh, before our next break because I want to have plenty of time. Actually, this, this well, the story, we'll, we'll do it in the, in the last block here. It, it sounds like it's straight out of Terminator. I don't know if you've heard this story, and I swear, and there's another Terminator movie opening. So I don't know if this is a fake story for uh, some kind of teaser for the movie or not, but I want to get to it, and it concerns robots. I'm intrigued. Yes, robots. Uh, but there was a couple of other stories very quickly. Uh, the media, uh, media Matters has a uh, uh, did an analysis of how the media is covering uh, presidential candidates and their climate science denial. Yes. And we've been, uh, you know, as I said, covering the positions of all the candidates as they've come in the race. Media Matters has now taken a look at uh, how the mainstream media is doing, specifically in the press, the print media. And um, they took a look at, uh, for example, the Associated Press. Six of ten Associated Press articles failed to fact-check candidates' climate denial. So out of uh, the ten AP articles featuring presidential candidates denying climate science, only four of those articles noted the scientific consensus on climate change. So, for example... Uh, Mar- on March 23, an article countered Cruz's, Ted Cruz's uh, claim, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, his claim that satellite images show that there has been, quote, zero global warming <laughs> for the past 17 years. They noted in that article that uh, scientific experts say that satellite data is the wrong way to measure global warming, which the vast majority of scientists say is happening and is caused by the burning of fossil fuels, unquote. A good way to cover it. Right. Good, you know, a responsible way uh, for the media to educate the electorate. In contrast, however, on June 4, AP was summarizing uh, Governor Rick Perry of Texas's stance on climate change. 
They reported that Perry called climate change science, quote, unproven, and that he doesn't, quote, believe that we have the settled science by any sense of the imagination. No, okay, boy. that's fine. Report his position. Report what he said. Yeah. That's fair. But then AP failed to note that his uh, that Perry's statements do not align with the opinion of the vast majority of climate scientists, which is the thing you need to do. Really, and that's all that they need to do. All they need to say. They don't even have to go in depth as you know by saying with specifics. All they have to say is. Your statements contradict the findings of climate scientists. That's it. That was easy. I know. They just had to put that little sentence in there. Yeah. And in fact, you know, on, on the broadcast TV news, I've seen uh, several interviews with these presidential candidates from the Republican Party who all have various ways of trying to prevent acknowledging that climate science is real and that global warming is real and that it's happening. And they all basically fail to say you do realize that your statements are not in alignment with the vast majority of scientists. So that the American people can hear that, because American people don't realize that there is a vast global consensus on climate change right now. Now, AP was uh, was the worst of the pack that they looked at. Uh, Reuters uh, got it right more often than not, uh, with uh, four articles properly fact-checked, three not. New York Times, eight properly fact-checked, four not, however. Washington Post, 13 properly fact-checked, seven not properly fact-checked. Uh, and then, of course, USA Today, America's hotel newspaper, uh, two properly fact-checked, one not fact-checked. For uh, Wall Street uh, Journal, they uh, were batting a uh, perfect 1,000 average. I'll bet they, they were. They had um, zero that were properly fact-checked and uh, two articles that did not. So they just don't talk about it very much over there because... That's Rupert Murdoch's paper, the guy who owns Fox News. It is the Fox News of newspapers. All right, a, a quick break, and we're back with uh, killer robots and more. I'm going to have to hold this uh, Iowa Catholics story until next week, I guess, because uh, this, uh, boy, this pope has put uh, these uh, Catholic candidates in the Republican Party into quite a pickle. That, a pope pickle? A, a, a pope pickle. That papal pickle will have to wait until next week. For now, you'll just have to wait for this short break until we come back with the killer robots. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is your Bradcast. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com as we head into a happy holiday weekend. Uh, this, uh, I got to get this story. Uh, the What's the Terminator uh, Genesis? Yeah, Terminator? I think it's called Terminator Genesis now. It's uh, how many times they can go back to that well, God knows. Yeah, it's a good well, though. I enjoy that well. In any case, this is not an ad, not a, a clever ad as far as I know for uh, for the new Terminator movie, but it could be a robot has killed a man at Volkswagen plant in Germany. Oh, dear. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Yeah, see, it's not good. It's not happy. Why are you clapping like that, Desi <laughs> Doyen? 
Automaker Volkswagen says a robot has killed a contractor at one of its production plants in Germany. Spokesman for VW says the man died on Monday at the plant in Bonatal, north of Frankfurt. Uh, the 22-year-old was part of a team that was setting up the robot when it grabbed and crushed him against a metal plate. Uh, Hilwig said, uh, Heiko Hilwig, uh, is, um, he's a spokesman, I guess, for the company, said that initial conclusions indicate that human error was to blame rather than a robot problem, rather than a problem with the robot. German news agency DPA reported the prosecutors were considering whether to bring charges and, if so, against whom. Oh, I believe it's begun. I believe that uh, the rise of the robots has begun and for further evidence. I know it's not funny at all that a robot killed a guy, but here, for further evidence, a uh, Financial Times reporter tweeted her story uh, with these words, a robot has killed a worker in a VW plant in Germany. And then she uh, links to the article, worker killed in Volkswagen robot accident. Then she started getting a flood of tweets. Do you know why? No. This Financial Times reporter, her name is, she's uh, verified. Her name is Sarah O'Connor. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, she is. Well, uh, for those who don't know that in the Terminator yeah. movies, it's Sarah Connor. Right. She's Sarah O'Connor, but I'm sure that folks uh, thought that was hilarious. She was buried with a blizzard of tweets. She said, okay, I guess I should have thought about my name and its associations before tweeting this. She said, uh, then she said, sigh, I've never even watched the films. Now my feed is full of people tweeting me about Skynet. Oh, boy. So Sarah O'Connor tweeted about the killer robots in Germany. Skynet, it's on its way. All right, and finally, today, uh, this seemed like the perfect story to take us out to the 4th of July Independence Day weekend. It's from our friend D.R. Tucker over at Washington Monthly, and I'll read you the whole story because I think it's kind of uh, inspiring, perhaps, on this particular weekend. Headline is, I believe that we can win. This is Washington Monthly from this past weekend. Investigative journalist Brad Friedman, oh, he's good, has observed that America is moving in a progressive direction despite the mainstream media's center-right nation shibboleth. Despite the obstacles that have been placed in the pathway of progressives, Friedman is correct beyond dispute. See why I like this guy? <laughs> I know why you like that. Think back to a decade ago, writes D.R. Tucker. Same-sex marriage was considered an abomination in large parts of the country. Christian fundamentalists were flexing their muscles as never before. Rush Limbaugh and Fox dominated the American media landscape. The Bush administration had launched a war on climate science. Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney was gay-bashing his way to national prominence. Today, marriage equality is the law of the land. The Christian right has lost political and cultural influence. Limbaugh's career is in freefall, and Fox may soon follow. Pope Francis has called upon the world to fight for climate justice. The signs of progressive power are everywhere. The growing momentum of Bernie Sanders' campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination, the profound failure of the right-wing effort to repeal and replace Obamacare, the increasing acceptance of transgender Americans as full and equal citizens, the smashing success of the fossil fuel divestment movement. No, 
We haven't reached the promised land yet. There are still so many forces of right-wing depravity in our country, some with positions in Congress, some with platforms on cable, some with pistols in churches. Those forces of depravity will not retreat quietly. However, they can and will be defeated. We're moving forward. We're going to make America into what it should have been all along a country where any man or woman can rise to the height of his or her potential regardless of race, gender, religion, sexual orientation, disability, or income. A country where public schools never have to lack for adequate funding. A country where we don't shuffle off to war unless we absolutely have to. A country where we recognize the separation of billionaire and state. A country where we where we look out for future generations by dramatically reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, a country where a woman can exercise her right to choose in peace, a country where maniacs don't have easy access to guns, a country where knowledge is embraced and ignorance is scorned. We're getting there. Yes, it's been a long road. We've had to endure the racist savagery unleashed by the Southern strategy. We've had to endure that forced demonic known as Reaganomics. We've had to endure an impeachment over an erection and two stolen elections. We've had to endure a lie-based war for oil, which left innocent blood on Iraqi soil. We've had to endure six years of deranged drama from the bigoted enemies of Barack Obama. It's been a long time coming, but we're getting there. We will leave our children and grandchildren a proud, progressive country. We will repair the damage the right wing has inflicted upon our fair land. We will remedy the injustices that hurt so many of our fellow citizens. We will declare independence from ignorance and fidelity to fact. We will move this country forward forever. That's D.R. Tucker in the Washington Monthly. We will move this country forward forever. We will declare independence from ignorance and fidelity to fact. Something helpful and useful and inspiring to keep in mind as we move into the Independence Day weekend. My once and maybe even future favorite holiday. My thanks today to Desi Doyen, our producer, to Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, of course, to all our affiliate networks and stations out there, and mostly to you, the listener. Thank you for sharing part of your day or night with us. We will be back with you soon. We're going to take a bit of time off over the holiday weekend. Nicole Sandler of RadioOrNot.com will be in for me at the beginning of next week, and then we will be back with you again same Brad time, same Brad channel. Until then, you can email me at bradcast at bradblog.com. You can and should follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. If you missed any portion of our program today or any others this week, you can always download them over at iTunes, where I hope you will at least stop by and give us a good review. Make it a little easier for everyone else to find us as well. Until we meet again, you can find me, of course, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Uh -huh.